welcome to the Faithful Christian Podcast. What up, peeps? Welcome back to Faithful Christian. I am excited to have this next episode with two of my beloved friends. We have Nate Bowen and we have Amadis Watson on. What's up, guys? Hey, hey. Hi. Glad to be back yes, with you guys. It's so good to see you guys and to hear your voices. So you guys are actually integral for planning of this season. And we were talking about all types of different topics that we could do for season two. And somehow just everyday life came up. So like the boring things in life. And we dubbed this episode The Process. So Christians and The Process. Life is not full of, you know, roller coasters and amusement parks. It's also full of boring things like dishes, uh, raising families, which is not boring, but it can be mundane. Um, taking your kids to school, it can be mundane. Waking up for work, doing the same job. So I wanted to talk about what it looks like to be faithful when life is mundane, when things are not as exciting as maybe we would anticipate them to be. I mean, especially in looking at, at least for me, looking at how things were in the Bible, the apostles led eventful lives. You know, they were pioneers in the faith and they paid for it ultimately with their lives. But we live in America mm-hmm. and most of us aren't going to die like that. <laughs> so how do we as Christians in our current context live faithfully and live for the glory of God yet yeah that's it actually live faithfully live to the glory of god and to be thankful and to be faithful in it you know how do we be faithful in the the boring parts of life in what we call the process so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about for this episode so i'm really excited do you guys have any opening thoughts opening thoughts faithfulness has been a challenge because it's like a temptation to measure your worth or significance by, I don't know, we, we've, always, we've been comparing and contrasting mm-hmm. a lot, like the American dreams and different expectations of how you view your life. And a lot of times we're just actually really becoming like Christ is undoing everything you believed and exchanging mm-hmm. um, the sinful patterns handed down by the world for the truth. Um, so in faithfulness, this is real life, friends. We're not espousing or talking about anything <laughs> except that what we're learning to do. Mm-hmm. So we're sharing from exactly where we are, exactly what we're choosing. So we're totally in this with you. Mm-hmm. And that's my opening statement. I don't know. We're in this with you. I like it. I think mundane is an interesting word to me. I guess I'm trying to figure out, like, I want to say that there is such a thing, but at the same time, I feel like there isn't mm, such a thing. Okay. In that when you're, working for the glory of god it just makes everything adventurous it doesn't mean it makes everything uh pleasant at the moment but it just like puts so much purpose into everything so even if that means turning what you would think is boring into like recognizing that well this may be discipline or this may be a trial in a sense of like learning to love this thing even recognizing it in that sense suddenly makes it like, oh, but this is actually more active than I think mm. it is. Kind of like when I think about work 
and just days that feel like they're just dragging. But when I think about the fact that this is working for my good and that he who is faithful in little will also be made faithful in much. It's like, it puts it in this bigger picture of, Oh wow. Like, no, this is an important part of the Mm -hmm. adventure. And this is a test in a sense. Um, So I think that framework has been helpful. Doesn't mean that you never feel bored, (laughs) but yeah, there's just something about the way that we frame it that can help encourage us as we're going along the process to see God's purpose in everything, in the routine. So it's funny that we're talking about this because the other day, actually yesterday, my boy Nick hit me up and we're texting back and forth. And he said, it's good to be reminded that even when our lives feel rather routine or even mundane, our father is working out his perfect will in our lives and rejoices over us. I like that pushback because when you actually said that, I thought about it a little more. I was like, actually, being a Christ follower does present its own unique, like, way of living. That there is Mm -hmm. always some sort of, in my view, a challenge to kind of think through. Whether it's how am Mm -hmm. I going to navigate certain political topics at work or... Mm-hmm. Am I going to participate in certain events um, that maybe some of my friends are doing? So, yeah, there are definitely its own, it has its own, I guess, battles, um, especially living in a metropolitan area that's really big and very liberal, I guess I should say. Yeah. Um, it presents its own challenges. Yeah. So I'm glad you gave that pushback. Uh, it helps a lot. Hmm. I think a really important word from there was purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm. And as I think about purpose defines what your process is. Like if you're Mm -hmm. making anything, if I'm making a painting that, that informs my process, what medium am I going to use? What I'm trying to create informs the process of being created. So if we're thinking about process, we have to ask, what are we becoming? Mm. Which comes back to, comes back to God. And so I think the two chief ends of man, scripturally, one is, is to know God, but to reveal God. So as we're in process, it's the working out of greater knowledge of who mm-hmm. God is. And as we're being sanctified, the revelation of who he is through our lives, expressed in tons of different ways, because he's made us all different, a bunch of different talents, different circles, different environments. But as we think about process, the purpose behind your process like Nate was saying is like foundational Mm -hmm. because that keeps you aware of where it is that you know you're going Mm. and why where you are is still valuable but the purpose being I'm called to know Christ and in knowing Christ I'm transformed to reveal Christ Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I guess in knowing Christ how, how would you guys say that at work or in your families or in your social circles, you are living out that purpose and you're displaying the foundational beliefs um, that we're talking about. I work in a very secular environment. I'm an ER nurse. I work night shift. I work 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. I take care of people in all types of 
a medical emergencies. I've taken care of murderers. I've taken care of rapists. I've taken like I've had to pull miscarriage babies. Like there's a tons of trauma. And what's my point? Walking into that environment, super traumatic early on, and seeing all the darkness. Because mm-hmm. I think I'm one of the only believers in the whole department, and so everyone's lifestyle, and then everyone you're serving, just all of the, the literal evil. And my first inclination, my desire was to just like it burned in my soul like these people need Jesus and I have to tell them but in the process of becoming a nurse one of the first things the Lord spoke to me um, was don't speak don't speak work which is Mm. counterintuitive you think like God called me to be a minister of the gospel therefore I must talk like or therefore I must like share the good news verbally Um, but he drew me in Um, just to know him, to really know him. So in the mm. beginning, it's so hard. It's I'm up all night. I'm in a stressful environment. People are dying. And fighting anxiety, I had to know Jesus. So before I could even declare who he was, I had to know who he was. Mm. Like, how are you going to tell someone God's good and you're a wreck? And, you're like, but, and being a wreck is okay. But, but is your faith actually strong enough to present the dichotomy that, hey, my life is a storm, but I have a peace. If you don't have a peace, right. your gospel is conflicting. You'll say something and your life doesn't wow. match. So he called me to live, to live before I began to speak. So I've been there almost five years. And like I said, the first couple of years, just, I had to really overcome like fear and taking God at his word and nobody else praying through situations and learning to recognize God's voice. And in that year of me not really speaking about my faith or having active moments where I was trying to openly just share the gospel, the Holy R knew I was a Christian, which is, Mm. I needed to know Jesus before I could declare Jesus. And he was showing me who he was, not by removing any of the trauma, because there'd be nights where I'd be like, Jesus, please don't let anybody like really sick come in, please like have mercy. And you know what? Really sick people would come in and really, like, you'd have terrible cases that were just sad. Hmm. But I came to know him in his strength. I came to share in his sufferings, which show you a whole different face of who he is. Hmm. And from that place of even walking alongside of people who are in the same environment, it's draining for everybody. But because Jesus has revealed himself to me as a source of strength, as a source of love that I continually come back to. He separated my life. And now, now, five years later, I have opportunities to speak. But it's because in the beginning, in this new environment, I was still pressing in to know him. Hmm. What does it mean to know Jesus as a nurse? What does it mean to like, be praying as I'm taking care of people? What does it mean to literally be asking God medical questions? Like, what do you think is going on? Like, these are the things that are going through. And this is how I'm knowing the Lord. Just with my nursing career. Like, I, there's a lot of things that I do. That we're all like multifaceted humans. But I guess my point is, know Jesus. And he's so personal. He knows everything. So there's not one job anyone's doing that he doesn't want to reveal himself to you in that space and reveal right. himself through you in that space. Yeah. Um, but if you're not allowing your heart to be cultivated and you become ministry-minded, like a doer versus someone who sits, and I think we had talked about that previously, a Mary versus a Martha. Intimacy with the Lord is the paramount thing. So before I could preach, I had to learn how to stand. 
before he gave me permission to speak, I had to learn like how to love, I learn how to love him, learn how to see him, learn who he was. And from intimacy, he's given me more platform. Hmm. And that's what keeps you because our original purpose isn't just to do for Christ. It's to know Christ. Mm -hmm. That's the first Amen. purpose. Amen. So that's just Christ in my story, Jesus in my story in the ER specifically. I like that. Hmm. What about you? It's all good. You, yeah, thanks for sharing that, Ahmed. That that really blessed me. And I think it really does come back to purpose because purpose changes everything. Like it changes everything you do. And there's some times where, you know, even in my own job, which I'm seeking to do for the glory of the Lord, and I work for an organization whose whole intention is to bring glory to God amongst all people. Um and I just, I recognize that when I'm struggling with it, it really is a, a purpose struggle. Of course, sometimes we get tired. You know, there's those days too, like, well, I'm just, I'm tired or something's hard or there's something else in my mind. But a lot of times it's just that I'm, I'm not seeing the, the way that God has purposed all of this work for his glory. And so because that's not, because I, cause I don't see that well, it, it can make things dry. Whereas, you know, when you see the purpose of the Lord, it doesn't, it's not that it makes things easy, but it just makes things so much clearer. And it, I just feel like it, it's more likely to spark joy and perseverance so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in the midst of a lot of transition in my life. This whole year has felt like transition and it feels like there's more coming. And I'm trying to understand how to do that well because I think another thing as far as like the beginning of purpose in the process starting with knowing God a dangerous thing when you're just thinking about doing for God, doing for God without starting with knowing God is that doing for God can actually be like doing for others, mm. doing godly things for others. And yeah, I, I think that's something that I've wrestled with a lot. Um, like say if like God has brought me into like particular forms of service for a season and you know make it to a point of like feeling like the Lord is leading you toward another direction but you struggle with following that direction because it's like oh but what will others think will others think that I'm faithful if I seemingly leave this post for another one and that just comes in like fear of man and yeah, I think a part of the process of faith is being led by the Lord. And when you're, and it does come back to intimacy, like Amma said. And so when you're seeking him in intimacy and you're following his leading, you can't let the voices of man dictate your process. Now, the voice of the church should inform your journey and your process because None of us is on an individual journey, right? Or it's just like 
Jesus saved me and he just, he just came for me. Like when you read Ephesians, you see, yes, but he is, his purpose is, it's to save a church, it's to save a body and a group. And then when you read the new Testament, we see that the body is built together to encourage one another. Like we're meant to speak life into each other. And so it's important to remember that God does often lead us through speaking to us through his body and through the wisdom given by others. Um, But at the same time, I think we often know and need to be quick, or I often know and need to be quicker to recognize when something's a good desire that maybe, you know, five people see five different things in me that they think I should be doing. And I feel like the Lord is leading me in one particular direction. Part of the process is trusting God to say, I see that brother, I see that sister, but I'm going to go in this direction because I believe that's where the Lord is leading me. And that's hard. That's hard for me. I think just in this process for me where I have, I guess, been learning more to say, I think I need to pause this. I think I need to stop that. I think I need to say no to this. It's hard. And I think part of it's because I'm a yes man, to be honest. Mm. But there's so much joy in obedience. And there's so much clarity. And I think one of the things that frustrates the process is fear of man. Because it 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 does not bring clarity. If anything, it brings confusion because what's happening is like you're doing something and it's godly and it's for God. It may be some means of service, but you constantly feel confused and conflicted because something feels wrong. And it's not like the deeds that you're doing are wrong. It's just the, it's the direction and it's the reason it's the purpose because you know, rather than following the clear path of, the, of of where the Lord is leading you, if you're trying to obey five godly voices and treat them all as God's voice, like that's just it causes a cacophony in the mind, and it's just eventually you're just doing things, good things that someone needs to be doing in a dedicated manner. You're doing in this rote dry manner um void of its purpose that you know kind of connects to what Amo was saying in just and following the leading of the lord and discerning that from intimacy with the lord at the end of the day i have to trust the lord is my lord in their lord and that will be okay yeah yeah <laughs> that's how follow him and not just do what others think. Yeah. For sure. Bring, bring what other th- others think before the Lord to say like, Lord, is this what I should do? But yeah, let it be dictated by his guidance. Amen. So that's kind of where I'm at in the process and it's good, but it's a struggle. And I think it's been slow because I've been slow Yeah. <laughs> to respond and to take those steps i like it i like that i like to see you wrestling with it because there is a real sense of wrestle 
as each of us are growing mm-hmm. in this practice, I would call it a formational practice, you know, like it's something that's forming how we're going to live the rest of our lives, um, potentially, and or we should live the, live the rest, love, rest of our lives. But, Alma, when you brought up the intimacy thing, it just made me think about my own process, like where am I finding, like how am I getting to my purpose? And I feel like for me, like it's been through a lot of pain, a lot of disappointment, and a lot of reality checks. Like God does this really weird thing with me, and I alluded to this in my testimony, um, that he always comes after my idols hard. Like, <laughs> you're calling that weird. <laughs> it, it feels weird. It's like the one thing that I'm afraid you've taken from me, you took. It's always that way. Yeah. Always. It's almost like mm. he's out for me. And he is, which is a beautiful <laughs> thing. <laughs> like, it's like you're really out here for me. Like, just chill. <laughs> but no, I'm thankful that he does that. But it's just so funny that he always does it in a way that it's gentle. You know, it may be, Mm. it may be hard in the moment, but as I always look back, I'm like, it actually wasn't that bad. Like he does Mm. it in such a way that I can trust him with future problems. I can trust him knowing that, Mm. okay, he got me through this. Mm. I wasn't hurt, you know? That's a word. And I trust him with this part of my life as well. So it's, for me... I feel like God has been stripping off still the idol of relationships off of my life. And I love my friends. I love you guys. You guys know that. But I always come to this point in my life, I'll probably say every couple of years, where I just become way too dependent on people. And God has mm. to just remind me, no, you can still care about them. You can still be their friends. doesn't mean that your friendship has to change what you feel about them. But you need to not prioritize this the way that you have been. And I'm like, mm. okay, God, I get it. I get it. You may have to let me go through this suffering. Mental, it's usually mental for me. I'm like mentally anguishing myself. <laughs> like, why is this happening? Mm. Why can I not do this? Why? You know, it's always a mental thing for me. But then like two weeks later, I'm like, okay, I'm over it. It's just so, it's just <laughs> weird. Like, that's just how he's wired my brain, I guess. And then once I'm over it, I can resume the friendship in a healthier manner. And I'm like, why was I fighting this the entire time? Like, what was I afraid of losing? What was I afraid of not having? And then God always reveals to me, like, or he revealed to me in certain cases, you were looking for this person to give you what only I could give you. Like, Mm. you're looking for this person to give you joy, peace, happiness, love. And they can give you love. You know, friends are meant for sharing the good and bad moments of life and they can provide comfort they can friends can do all those things but when it comes down to it who's the friend that sticks closer than a brother you know who is the Mm. one that is always going to be there when i'm in my bed alone who is there with me christ you know he is closer than the mention of his name and i've been comforted Mm. by that so much these last three weeks this last couple months Honestly, uh, well, this last three weeks, because the last couple months have sucked. But these last three weeks, I've been, <laughs> I've been comforted with that because I'm like, yeah, when the friends aren't there, when hmm. my mom is not around, when my family 
is not around. Christ is always there. He's always going to be there for me. And so I've been blessed with that. But even still, Mm -hmm. a part of my process has still been, okay, now that I get it, like you're once again revealing my idols, once again showing me balance and showing me that this is destructive. How do I go after you with everything? Because I'm still distracted by other things. You know, I have school, I have work. Um, I have a lot going on with my family. So I don't want to replace an idol of relationships with an idol of busyness. So Hmm. it's just, I don't want to replace you. You know, breaking a habit, you tend to replace it with something else. And I don't want to do that. So Hmm. I guess I'm working through that right now. And I'm even tempted, and you guys can tell me what you think about this. You guys know I'm starting a new church, starting onto a new church. I'm joining a small group. I am going to start grief counseling with my pastor for my dad's death. And I'm like, okay, God, I praise you for your church. The body is meant to be a family, but I don't want this to become something to me that is harmful to me because I know myself. I know that I become too dependent on people. So even as I, and also I also distrust, distrust people right now. So there's two sides. It's like, I don't want to become too dependent. At the same time, I don't want to become so untrusting that I don't move forward and make bonds at this new church. So what would you guys say to the wrestling Christian Givens? <laughs> As I work through this process <laughs> in my life. Keep listening to the Lord. Keep prioritizing time to be in his word. I think Christianity and following Jesus is not easy, mm-hmm. but it is simple. You can't know Christ deeply. Like if you have the gift of his word, there's stories of people, how he reveals himself in dreams and different things in other countries. And he still does that in our country. He's done it for me. Christian, you've shared how he's done it for you. But we've been given the gift of the word. And culturally, it seems sometimes like we neglect it. Like we want someone else's words. We want to read a book over the Bible. We want to listen to someone preach a podcast where Mm. people who don't have the Bible, you know what I mean? It's not even about them, but intimacy we have the greatest gift we have the we have mm-hmm. scripture and so the simplest way is to take god at his word that if you draw near he'll draw near to you he says draw near to me i'll draw near to you he says in isaiah that no word that he sends out comes back void but accomplishes the purpose for which it was sent so even when you can't feel what the word of god's doing in you or see its fruit we're, we're learning to take God at his word and we're learning to let his word be how we see everything else. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you're wrestling, that's fine. That's where you are right now, but you're going to stay in your disciplines. You know that the word of God doesn't return void. So you're going to be committed to the word. Mm-hmm. You're going to be committed to leaving your heart open in repentance. Like it's, it's not, a, I'm just over this terrible season and I'm better now because of the Christianity is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It, I didn't change my lifestyle just because I'm happy or it's a different lifestyle because I'm now sad. It's the same choices to be in communion with the Lord in his word and prayer. Mm-hmm. The same choices to surround yourself with godly community. And then the choice to be committed to that process because that never goes away. Like if you stop doing those things, you will die. You, if you stop eating, stop drinking, you'll, it's your food. 
It's your nutrition. So it's, it's the commitment to be in process for until we see Jesus. I like it. And you have the disciplines that go with the process Mm. and the commitment Mm -hmm. to be in your, in your disciplines. It's like working out. You could have muscles. If you don't work out, you lose them. Mm -hmm. So it's continually like, Lord, this process, I, I, I will, I will remain on the altar. I will remain faithful to your word, but, and it's not even, I don't want to make it sound like tasks because God's relational. So as you, are faithful he's going to reveal himself and then as he reveals himself it it inspires your faithfulness and as and then you just have this whole story of who god's been to you Mm. and and how he's transformed you and the things he's spoken to you and how he's ministered through you or how he's just been like so i don't know if that answers your question pretty much be faithful to be in the process and be faithful to be in what you know is god's truth he sanctifies us with his truth and he says his word is truth so just being faithful to the Lord, I, I don't really, but there have been times I'm in the Word, it's like, I didn't get nothing. But that's just a feeling. Yeah. And feelings, mm. feelings aren't truth. Mm. Mm. That's, that's a word. Because we live in mm. such a time and a culture that relies so heavily on our feelings. If it feels right, do it. If it feels good, do it. And we have to be countercultural. One of my studies, just read about the holiness of God. Holiness is basically defined as other, you know, to be set apart. So as I used to read the verse that be holy as I am holy, I used to wrestle with that. Like, God, why? Only you're holy. Like, God called the ground that Moses walked on holy because it was other. You know, God's call to us to be holy is to be set apart, is to be other is to be counter-cultural. It's not to be, oh, I'm just going to go with the culture because that is what I'm supposed to do. So I will say the process for us as Christians is to remember our call to holiness, to, the call to otherness, and to remain. And we all have our times when we're thinking, well, maybe the culture's right. You know, I've been there recently. Mm-hmm. But then I'm always reminded, God does not change. You know, what he requires has not changed. And we just have, we have a foundation that's so firm. We have Christ, the solid rock. And if we stick on that foundation, you know, we may be hit by the waves. We may fall down, but we're still on that rock. And as long as we're anchored in Christ, we can always rely on the fact that he's going to bring us back to the truth. Whether it be through friends, which he has done through you guys, for me or rather it be through circumstances or dreams, which he has also done for me recently. So it's, I don't know, like just the holiness aspect. I just really wanted to touch on that because that was interesting when I kind of read that this past week. It mm-hmm. touched me. So hopefully it blesses someone else. Yeah. So you said God called the ground holy. And then it just occurred to me, it's holy because it has his presence. Mm-hmm. And it's that simple. Holiness isn't an act of doing more good words. Mm -hmm. It's the process of letting yourself be infilled by Mm -hmm. Christ. When Moses was talking to the Lord on the mountain and God was mad at the people because they already disobeyed. He just let them out of Mm -hmm. Egypt and they forgot him and worshiping a cow. And he's like, go ahead, Moses. I will give you what you ask for. Take the people, take the land. I'm not going with you. Now, let's stop right there real quick, because how many of us would, in our real truth, we probably all did how many of us would take that offer? God's going to give you what he promised, but he's not going to go with you. 
Like, what is that mm. in the flesh? What is that? Like, I will give you that husband. I will give you that job. I will give you that car. But if I, when you receive it, I will not be with you. Mm. But Moses says, but Lord, if you don't go with us, what will distinguish us from the nations? Mm. So holiness is the presence of God upon mm. us. Evidenced by the spirit's work in us, mm-hmm. by the fruit of the spirit that we grow in as we continue to be faithful mm-hmm. to the disciplines of the lifestyle of Christ following. So that's all I have to say about holiness. Yep. It's because of God's presence. It's not because we can't, our best work is a filthy Amen. rag. It's God's Amen. presence. Thank you for bringing that up. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, on the note of holiness, I think, I think again, like it does start with intimacy and with presence. It can't be conjured up. Um, I do think we're called to, to work it out in a sense, but that all comes from abiding. John 15, right? I want to be fruitful. I want to do the works of holiness. Well, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so, yeah, what is it if the Lord gives you all these things and and he, you know, and he doesn't go with you? What is it if you were to to gain whatever it is you're seeking to gain without the presence of God? And when it comes to holiness, that's just not possible. You know, maybe there's certain things in like ministry where like if our focus is off and we are, and our goals are off, there's certain things that we could accomplish without the nearness or intimacy of God, whether it be a reach or a spread, which obviously I think the Lord may be blessing that and giving that to you, but like you know, but when it comes to what really matters, holiness cannot be accomplished from this, apart from the source. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit apart from the vine. Um, and when we abide in Christ, then we will bear much fruit, which is pleasing to the Father. And so I think holiness does manifest in us uh, working out our salvation with fear and trembling um, because you know, Hebrews 12, it says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So there is a striving for holiness. But when we look back at John 15, we see that where that starts, it starts with abiding. And and if you look at like Hebrews, just in general, what is the big thing that we're striving for to enter the rest? Right. Um, and it's, again, to abide in Christ eternally to enter into his rest to enter into his promise it's just so amazing to be honest and that it goes back to what my buddy nick was saying just about how even in the mundane how our father is working out his perfect will god while you are sleeping is sanctifying you god you know while you are failing his plan is still in place. You know, he, he is like, everything is still happening right on time and he is working to make you more holy. I appreciate you bringing up what holiness looks like because that really is a huge part of what this whole process is. It reminds me of the benediction in Jude. Yes. And uh, yes. Jude 24 says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling 
and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. And so rewinding even all the way back to where we started with, you know, what defines your process is your purpose. And what's the purpose? What's the end goal? Like, it's to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. And what is going to be able to get you there? Well, him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Mm -hmm. And when you look at all of scripture that points to, you know, even before the foundations of the earth, the Lord chose you in him, in Christ. It's like he is the enactor of the process. Like he has always been working and there's nothing that um, stifles his work. And that's a huge encouragement um, because it's one thing to ascribe purpose to the process, but it's another thing to ask whose purpose is that? And it's God's purpose. And if it's God's purpose, it will be accomplished. Hmm. That emboldens our faith to look the process in the face and say, here we go. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, and it's not saying, oh, because I'm so ready and I'm so strong. But it's like, bro, like, if God has got this, it's going to happen. Mm. I might look in the mirror and say, I don't know how I'm going to be holy by when, when Christ returns. But I look in the word and I say, I know how I'm going to be holy when Christ returns. Him who is able to keep me from stumbling is going to present me blameless before him. Yeah. In this whole life, he's going to be pro like he's going to be sanctifying me through this life to present me that yeah. way. And sorry, if I could switch gears super quick, like to get back to your earlier question, Christian, about like wrestling through. I know I'm called to be involved in my local church, and it's good. I want to get more involved, but then I also don't want. I'm afraid to falling into this dependency on relationships and you know those temptations towards idolatry. Something that stood out to me was trust. Mm -hmm. and, and it comes back to what Alma said, trusting God's word, right? So when you make that step to obediently uh, connect with your church, be in fellowship, be in service, you are trusting that God will reward that obedience, that God will fulfill his promises. Like, that's what God has commanded you to do. And that's what you're doing. And then you're trusting that obedience is leading you toward blessing. It's not leading you towards a stumbling block. Amen. You know, God might call us, call us to do something. And our, our feeble mind is like, oh, but Lord, you know, if I do that, then I might stumble. Like, but well, we're not more wise than uh -huh. him. And we have to trust that. Even if it looks dangerous to obey, this reminds me of my testimony because when I became a Christian and, you know, that summer that the Lord really jumpstarted my faith, I thought, I do not want to go back to public school. Like, there's just going to be so many temptations. I feel like I'm going to fall. And so in my human wisdom, it felt like, Lord, like, I don't want to go back to public school. I was trying to figure out with my mom, like, can I go to this Christian school? All this stuff. 
lo and behold, it didn't work out. <laughs> and you guys, you guys can hear that in my testimony. It, it didn't work out. And I ended up back in public school. And I was thinking, oh, boy, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Young Christian thrown to the lines. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Those last two years of high school ended up being the best years. And God showed off. Like, it was a, such a huge blessing because in that, God called me to be a light mm-hmm. to my classmates. God called me to trust him to keep me. And so I think it, when we're in between you know, obeying God's direct commandments and avoiding temptation, it's like trust God's direct commandments. It's trusting that his will for us is good. And that his will is not to lead us into temptation. It comes back to Psalm 23, right? That he, that he is our shepherd and that he's working for our good. Trust, trusting that God knows what's best spiritually. That's good. As you were talking earlier, I thought about um, the story of the Rishen ruler and how Jesus, mm-hmm. like, it's... um easier for i can't get this passage right ever it's easier for um a camel, a camel to find his way through a needle or a haystack versus a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven the eye yeah, of the needle, needle, yeah. Yep. and the disciples are just baffled like well then who can enter to heaven <laughs> who can make it then jesus <laughs> he's like well he doesn't leave them hopeless you know like with god all things right. are possible so right. That just stuck out to me so much, like with God, who he we have in us, you know, it is possible for us to stay attached to the line. Um, right. It is possible then... for us to run the race and to endure. Mm-hmm. It is possible for us to keep crawling back to the cross when we stumble. It's possible for us to keep standing up. So I just I'm encouraged by that, like with his help. And even as you look at John 15, prior to John 15, John 14, the disciples, he's given them the promise of the Holy Spirit, the disciples. So he's setting them up for his departure and saying, I'm going to leave you, but I'm sending someone else that's going to help you. Mm-hmm. So his intention was never for us to be alone. Like you said, the lion's den. Like he is with us as we face our own version of the lion's den. And that's mm-hmm. such a, a beautiful like imagery. Like it's such a it's just beautiful to me. He's with us. Yeah. So thank you for sharing all that. If you haven't mm-hmm. listened to Nate's testimony, go check it out. Um, you will be blessed by it. We've talked a lot about the internal process of knowing Jesus and being committed to being holy and seeking the Lord in intimacy. But practically, what do you do or what have you done or how is it that the Lord delivers you from those times where you your circumstances don't meet the promise my god you're doing this and there's that discontentment so to anyone who's feeling like yeah i'm in process and it totally is just terrible i don't want to be here and god said this and i feel but i'm to anyone in discontentment to anyone in that wrestling stage what advice Hmm. what wisdom can you give to like encourage our brothers and sisters. Hey, like we've all been there. We're 
our present circumstance doesn't meet what he's promised, where the character of God seems to be somehow in conflict with our circumstance. What do you do with that process? How do you handle that? Yeah, one of the first phrases that came to mind for me was exhausting our resources. And exhausting may not be the best word. That's just like a common phrase. But what I mean by that is Peter says that God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And so, number one, when my feelings don't necessarily line up with where I think the Lord is leading me and maybe in the moment I'm not feeling that. I mean, but, and here's the thing. You may know the Lord is leading you, but not fully know what it looks like down the road. I mean, think about Joseph. Like, think about what the process of his life looked like uh, after he got, you know, he was in a dungeon, you know, having previously been sold into slavery and falsely accused of something he didn't do. You know, he was diligently seeking the Lord and... He didn't even, that's the thing is like, maybe sometimes you put all this emphasis of like, well, you've got to know on like what it's going to look like. Joseph didn't know that he was going to be in such high command over Egypt. Joseph knew who God was. And I think that's something that's helpful for me is, is reminding myself of the purpose. Like, let's say for instance, music, right? Like I, that's something that I see the Lord, since I've become a Christian, I've, uh, that the Lord has put that in my life. And that's something I think that he wants me to glorify him with. And it can be hard for me because like Joseph, I don't, I can't look down the road and say, I know exactly w- how that's going to look, to what extent that's going to be, if that'll be for a long time, or if the Lord will transition things, or how is he going to use it? How many people is he going to touch? And I can maybe have these ideas or visions and and in the moment, maybe I don't necessarily feel like it's getting that way or headed that direction, but I can, I know I can always look back to the greater purpose. And this brings me back to like something that Macklin said in our Marco Polo group about like people are, you know, seeing Christians post on Facebook, like I know God has a purpose for me or people posting on Facebook in general. I know God has a purpose for me. I just need to figure out what it is. For me to to know that God's purpose is to present me holy and blameless before him on the last day, that gives me peace. Because it's like my purpose actually does not surround particular tasks of stewardship um, that the Lord has called me to even if those are callings, like if it was a calling to be a pastor, if it was a calling to be an ER nurse, if it was a calling to be a musician, an artist, an accountant, the one thing that I do know that I'm supposed to be forever is holy and blameless. And that's something that I am sure that the process is is working because I'm sure God is at work and I'm sure that he will see that to completion. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's something that helps me is to recognize that that is the identity-based purpose. And so some of these other things 
that God has given me to do are meant to serve that purpose. They're not meant to be an identity that I'm seeking to obtain. And so even with music, like I'm not just meant to reach a certain height and then, then I'll know I, I fulfilled God's purpose. But actually music is a part of this process that's working towards making me holy and blameless on that last day. So that's something that helps. But then when I talk about exhausting our resources, I'm saying like, if God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, like when I, my mind is not on the things that are just feels like it can't get there to understanding that and to seeing things the right way. And I'm struggling spiritually. It's like prayer. One, I speak to the Lord and I ask for his grace um, to bring my mind into alignment with his will to help me to trust him. The word, because the word is sharper than any two edged sword and it pierces past all the joint and marrow and like it has the ability to change my heart and then three the church i go to other people and confess it because there's healing and confession and the lord desires for us to be built up through the church and that's something that's been hitting me so much the past several years and uh my friend my brother ben in bible study this this morning with some teenagers was saying like biblically there is no such thing as a solo christian like and we're reading through ephesians like you see the whole purpose is to be built up together yeah brought be brought into unity as a church and so god wants to use others to do that for you so uh when i feel off in in that uh purpose i also have to just go to other people and confess and sometimes i don't want to you know going back to like christian's dilemma sometimes it's like but what if they say the wrong thing that won't encourage me in the way the lord and it's just like but you have to trust that if the lord has called you to be in the community and has called you to uh you know to seek wisdom from others you have to trust the lord to speak through others and not be afraid of what if they say the wrong thing and then I get totally thrown yeah. out. You know, if God has called me to do it, I have to step into it and trust people. And the same thing is true of like, if you're the person that everybody looks up to you and is confessing to you, you can't be like, man, I just feel like I'm at a totally different level. And like, who do I have to confess to those Christians that are confessing to you? It doesn't matter how strong you may seem in their eyes. God's call for you is to turn around and to confess to them, hey, this is how I'm struggling with sin. And for you to trust that it doesn't matter how immature you think they are, how much weaker they think you think they are, or they don't know as much scripture, for you to trust that God's purpose in his church will prevail in your individual life. So I think going to those resources. It's hard to follow up that. Um, I think you hit the nail, like, on the head I guess for me you kind of alluded to this briefly I have been finding beauty in realizing that I don't know it all Um, I don't know my whole entire purpose there's beauty and mystery so for me while yes I do know that God's called me to go to school I look at it right now and I'm like just overwhelmed like if I keep the route I'm at I'll be in school for seven years (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how this is going to work out, God. 
I know mm. God's gave me the idea of starting this podcast. And then I feel ill-equipped at times, even with this. And I guess for me, it's trusting him in my weakness. It comes back to trusting him. Mm-hmm. For me, I will fail on my own. For me, I would stop. I would give up before I even started. But I guess it comes to a point where you just got to jump in. So mm. I guess the biggest thing, one, find beauty in the mystery of not knowing what the end is going to be. Mm. We don't need to know it all. Mm. And the second thing is just to jump in. If you feel like God is leading you in a certain direction, obviously seek counsel, pray about it. I didn't jump head in first into seminary. I, I prayed about that for years. Um, it was years and then it was meeting with the pastor and then talking through it with a friend for months and then having God confirm it through multiple things the next couple of months before I even enrolled or before I applied. So, but when it's confirmed or you feel like it's confirmed or being confirmed, jump in, just trust him with it. I was so worried about finances. I'm going to pay for school. I don't want to go into debt, Hmm. but God has been faithful. You know, I've been paying out of pocket. And it's been hard, but it's so rewarding to be able to say, okay, this is where God's leading me, and I'm trusting him with this. And yes, I may struggle with my studies, (laughs) Um, but I know that's where he's led me right now. So, yeah, if I'm using the process, if you know that God's leading you somewhere, just do it. Trust him with it, because he's not going to call you to something just to leave you and to have you fail. Hmm. And it doesn't mean that you will not have moments of failure or you won't have moments that you are going to have to learn a lesson that may come from you failing in some shape, form, or fashion. But take those lessons, like those failures, those setbacks, as God, maybe his correction, maybe as him showing you you put too much trust into X thing versus him. Or maybe he's just trying to teach you a lesson, you know, like he's just trying to show you, hey, there's a different way of doing it. So don't take those those failures as him saying, no, never. Maybe he's just trying to slow you down. Maybe he's just trying to, mm. like I said, reorient you. Um, trust that he's using it all. There's nothing wasted mm. with him. And that's the beauty of our God. Yeah. Amma, how would you answer those questions of what do you do when your feelings don't line up with your where you believe the Lord is leading you or what he's calling you to do or promised for you and what does your process look like practically in the different spheres of your life well, I had excellently rephrase that almost word for word wow <laughs> I didn't remember my question when my feelings don't line up with what I believe God's calling me to do there's two things I've learned One, to rest in the character of God, and two, not to ignore my pain. Mm. So you can think that the right thing to do is just to act like God's a holy robot, and he just wants you to just, sir, yes, sir, like it's a relationship. And Mm -hmm. something I had to learn, even being in the ER, was how to to be honest with the pain that has been. Like, it's not been easy. Mm -hmm. It's been the hardest days of my life. The hardest times of my life have been spent serving my people and working through the night being honest with God, this hurts and letting him heal 
me. So for me specifically, when it's like, I feel like you've called me to this. I feel like you want me to do this, but this is where I am right now. And I know you've called me to this, Mm. but this is really hurt. Like, don't just, you're not just God's servant. You're his friend. Mm -hmm. Yes. Amen. And so, and because you're his friend, there's this really kind of popular attitude where people think it's cute to be angry with God. Don't, don't take a mocker tone with the lord he is holy he's to be feared but he is also your friend so in your pain don't try to ignore it because you're not just his slave you're his friend god Mm -hmm. it hurts that i'm here god i didn't expect to be here god why am i still here god Mm. what did you send me like these are questions i've asked in honesty Mm. and like the lord always does he answers not just your questions but the cry of your heart Mm mm-hmm and so I remember one time I was really broken because after like three years of nursing, I hadn't processed any of the pain. Part of being in the ER, you do a 12 hour shift. You could have had like two or three people die, like, or just a bunch of traumatic things happen at night because you're, you're turning over beds, you're taking care of patients. Half of what you went through doesn't even hit you to the morning, but then you got to go back mm. to the work the next day and you do it all over again. And so there's just a lot of stuff that can be repressed, compressed. And I hit a breaking point, and I was like, why am I here? I, I, I don't know if I, have anyone seen The Count of Monte Cristo, but there's this part where Edmund asks the Count, who falsely accuses him, puts him in prison, and he was tortured for 13 years in prison. And he, he says to his friend who betrayed him, you sent me to hell. Why? And after three years of nursing, that's the question I had for the Lord. I was like, you literally sent me to hell. <laughs> why? Yeah. <laughs> and he wasn't afraid of that. And again, I wasn't asking like, you owe me an explanation because I'm mad at you. It's just like, if you're going to break me, give me the hope. Mm-hmm. Why, did you, why did you step me to the hardest thing I've ever been through? And he answered with an answer that I didn't really love because it didn't really give me the comfort of the moment. It gave me the kingdom eyes. And it was the same, mm-hmm. same reason I went to hell was to lead a train of captives in my wake. So, like, mm. my purpose is to know Jesus, but I'm, I'm saved to be an ambassador. I'm saved to be a priest. I'm saved. So, like, I, as God's friend, I'm also his slave. Like, you know what I mean? So it's this dichotomy of we don't act like we're robots, but we don't neglect that we're his servants either. And so he has the right to tell me what to do. And even if I don't like mm-hmm. it, it, it is my, in my best interest to say yes. Mm-hmm. Amen. So one, don't neglect the pain. I've learned that to be honest, to learn to be God's friend, to learn to be his servant. And in those, when he answered, like, because your life is about, like, loving me, but it's about, I want to save the lost through you. And I love these Mm. people, and I've given you these gifts, and it's not just about Mm. painting pretty pictures, which feels comforting and nice, where you're going to get to do this ministry of pretty things without the Mm. real testimony of what it looks like to suffer with people. Suffering is a powerful testimony. And as Americans, I think it's the one we neglect the most. Uh So I want to suffer well. I don't, we're not sadists. We don't look to suffer, but if we have to suffer, we want to suffer like Jesus, who it says in first Peter, he entrusted himself to the overseer of his soul. So when it hasn't added up, I bring my honesty to the character of God and I bring it and I bring it and I bring it and I bring it until my heart and, and I bring it to the truth, the character of God and truth are the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Lord, you say you're going to be my strength. Lord, you are the hope Lord. And I let the truth rest on me until it's overcome everything. 
So that's the part of being in the willing to be in the process of staying in the process. It's not like just I have a process for my happy days and a process for my, I do the same thing every day. In the seasons I've been broken, I read my Bible, I pray, I talk to God, the community. In the seasons that I'm rejoicing, I read my Bible, I pray, I like I sing like I don't do different things in different seasons. Mm. It's the same right. lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So that is when my circumstances don't match up with where I feel like, like, God, where are you? So we, we ultimately rest in the truth. We all always rest in the truth. Feelings. My mom always says it's just a barometer. It tells you the temperature of your heart. There, that's not mm. that. That's it. The feelings will fade, whatever they are. Feelings aren't the truth. So you have to let the word of God be the word of God mm-hmm. to, to be the foundation, to be the sword. Swords hurt. So when his truth cuts you, it might be painful, but harm and pain are two different things. Harm is the intent to hurt mm. you. Pain is just the reflex of something being uncomfortable. Mm. So he's never, it might be painful, but he's not trying to harm you. His, his intentions right. are always good. So that's the character of God. He's always good. Don't ever think you know more than God. Don't ever think that somehow if I did it, my, don't, don't. We get, it's a, a tiring game because God always wins anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even if there's this thing about the Lord, you could choose to walk away and thinking you're teaching God a lesson and he will be just as glorified by your, by the justice of punishment in your life. You know what I mean? So this is really yeah. about coming home. We weren't meant to be under God's wrath. We were, we were created in perfection in God's presence. So this has nothing to do with, I'm going to teach God a lesson. He told me no, so I'm going to run away. You're just going to kill yourself. That's what's going to happen. Mm. Wages of sin is death. All who turn away from the Father, like, no, it's not going to work. So trust, trust. It comes back to trust. Resting in the character of God. Yes, you are good. No, it does not feel good. No, I don't understand. But I trust that you love me. You're going to work into your plan. And that how I respond reveals who you are. And how I respond is related to reward. Like, don't forget that you're mm. being rewarded. That he's not Amen. just like torturing you, like, watch or take this, watch that. Like, he's like, well done. Well done. And he sees all those silent yeses, all those times you do wash the dishes, those times that, like, I don't know, the kind words you say, the tears you've cried. He's writing it all down. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't think it's insignificant just because nobody else sees you, because he's, mm. he's never taken his eyes off you. So that's, yeah. yeah. Well, I think we kind of covered it all. Um, maybe we can just wrap up with a verse that we have used to kind of really encourage us to keep on in our purpose, to keep mm-hmm. finding the beauty in the mystery. I feel like Hebrews 12, 1 is burning. Like therefore, mm. since we therefore, since we are surrounded yep. by such a great cloud of everyone who's run before us and made it, everyone running with us, mm. let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And that was literally the summation of everything I think we've said. Amen. Amen. Such a good one. Yeah. I think man, a verse that you know grew up hearing and it's just maybe I thought of it in such a common way growing up but lately has just been so sweet to my soul is Psalm 119 105 your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path Hmm. and I think that gets back to just the whole idea of like needing clarity 
in the process. Mm-hmm. You know, a lamp to your feet doesn't mean like the sun comes out. <laughs> step <laughs> by step. It means a lamp to your feet, yeah. right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah so the clarity doesn't always look like I can see every single detail, but it's like what I need to have joy and peace and to step forward. In that, and that's just to know that if I trust in the Lord with all my heart and acknowledge him, my ways, you know, mm-hmm. that he'll lead me, um, that he will establish my steps and my path. And, and, and that I can look to his word and what his word gives me is, suffi- is not only sufficient, but effective. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes when we hear the word sufficient and used in theological terms, we can take it the wrong way. Um, what God gives to us that is sufficient is also effective. Like sometimes you can tell people the word of God is sufficient. Like, oh yeah, you know, we always say that, blah, 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 blah. But what about this? No, 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 no. The word of God being sufficient is also communicating that it is effective for what you need. Hmm. The fact that God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path as I'm seeking to walk out the purpose of God for my life to be conformed to the image of his son and presented blameless before him in the longer eternal sense and how that plays itself out in these shorter checkpoints and giftings and in various realms of stewardship throughout life to know that God's word guides me. And that when I'm reading God's word, it is God speaking to me. It's not just me trying to figure out how to apply an ancient book to my life. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a word that's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that verse has been key. Um, for me, mine would have to be Hebrews 10, 19 on. However, I want to focus just on one verse, which is verse 36. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Mm -hmm. I I was like, okay, this is good. There's like so many good pieces of wisdom, though, in Hebrews 10. Like so much. Just the fact that it encourages us to meet together um, and encourages us to spur each other on in the faith and towards love and good deeds it encouraged us to hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. Hmm. So we are responding to a faithful God in obedience. And to me, that's just like, okay, there's a reason we're not doing this alone. We have community and we are given a promise. When you persevere, when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And mm. his ultimate promise to us is to be with him um, in eternity. You know, we don't live for what we can get on this side. His reward on the other side of just being with him forever um, is beautiful. And is all we need. He is our reward. Amen. So that, that's my encouragement and the verse that I've been encouraged by mm. recently. That's good. Yeah. This is good, guys. Yeah. I feel encouraged. Me so too. I hope that everyone listening does as well. If you have any questions, feel free to message any of us. 
um, I'll be on you know, my my Instagram is on the description, so feel free to message me. Um, and Nate, if they're okay with it. I'll put theirs down there as well. Um, yeah. yeah, go for it. So, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I definitely look forward to you guys being back with us next time. Peace. Bye. Deuces.